Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover Anti-Fragile by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. This is book 27 of 52 for my 2020 reading list. Now, I know it's called Anti-Fragile, uh, but I like to have a little fun there with Anti-Fragile in that reference to the classic Christmas movie, The Christmas Story, in this scene. Fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. That clip is actually an excellent lead-in into discussing anti-fragility. So what is it? Well, Talib himself starts off chapter one at the post office, where he says, we're, we're often, we often see that word fragile on packages. And so what does it mean? Well, it means that whatever's inside that package can easily be broken. There are fragile contents inside. And the words that we often see with fragile are handle with care. So what is the opposite of fragile? Well, what do you, what do you think it is? Maybe something strong or robust or resilient, right? That's what most people say when, they, when they're asked the question, what do you think is the opposite of fragile? But Talib says, no, that, that's not actually the opposite. If fragile means volatility in the sense of, let's say the package is on a cart and the, and the package falls off the cart. Well, if it does that, it could break. So let's call falling off the cart volatility. If fragile means volatility can break it, then the opposite would be that volatility would improve it. So if the package falls off the cart, it would actually improve it. So if something is strong, it's just in a neutral state. Like uh, if the, whatever's inside the package is strong and you drop it, that nothing's going to happen to it. It's strong. It's not going to break. So it's, it's neutral. But anti-fragile, something that's the opposite of fragile, would benefit from falling, would benefit from that volatility. So why is this important? Well, first off, we live in a volatile world. And we as people are not fragile. We are actually anti-fragile. One, one way we can look at this is with muscles. So if we tear our muscles by lifting heavy weights, they will grow, grow back stronger. But if we are fragile, they, we would tear those muscles and they would just remain torn. They would, they would stay broken. So to treat one as anti-fragile is actually to get the best out of them and to prepare them for what Talib calls black swan events. But not by predicting those events, but by becoming the kind of person who can weather those events. But it doesn't just stop there. Systems can be anti-fragile as well. And so that's what a lot of this book gets into is just uh, fragility as people compared to anti-fragility, but then also fragility of systems compared to anti-fragility of systems. Talib points out that we don't have a term for the opposite of fragile. So he makes it up and that's what he calls anti-fragile. And he points out that in ancient Greece, they didn't have a word for blue, but people understood what blue was. Same with anti-fragile. We don't really have a word for that. Uh, and, and in fact, a lot of the other languages don't have a word for that either. And so anti-fragile is, is what Talib calls it. And it's, it's just a great way to put it because it, it makes you think, okay, what is, is anti-fragile? What is the opposite of fragile? And it kind of helps you think back to, to what I said at the beginning, beginning there, that it's not strong because that's neutral, but it, it is something that would benefit from volatility. This book is a book of heuristics, and that's just kind of a fancy way of, of saying 
rules for life or, or ways of thinking. So they could be conscious or unconscious, spoken or unspoken, but we all live by them. And we, for instance, we teach them to our kids. We might say things like, well, we don't, we don't do that. Talib calls these heuristics the unwritten rules of thumb that are so determining of survival. This is one of those books that caused me to look back over my life and see events in a new light. So some of these heuristics that he goes over, some of these rules for life, they actually helped me to see things at the time that, that maybe seemed a little strange or the idea wasn't fully developed, but this book helped me to develop those ideas better. And I'll get into some of those in the next, in the next few segments. But this is what I call an important book. And what I mean when I say important book is that a number of the other books that you, will, that you read will reference this book. It will, they will reference Anti-Fragile. And it, it, it reminded me of, of Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman in that sense, where even for this project, I've read a number of books that reference Thinking Fast and Slow, and then some that it even take one or two ideas from that book, Thinking Fast and Slow, and apply it to a given field. And they create their own book just, just from that. So an important book in that sense is more of the source of a lot of these ideas. And Talib himself would tell you that the source for a lot of his ideas are from the ancients. So everything is, you know, it keeps tying back and back to, to, to other places. But Talib consolidated a lot of ideas and, and then came up with this anti-fragile concept and word, even though it's been discussed in, in different formats in the past. So that's the power of this book. And it's an important book. I mean, I'll get in, in segment three, I will get into other books that I've read for this project that, that relate to anti-fragile and some that even uh, pull main ideas from this book to write their book. So as for who should read it, I would, I would come close to saying everyone because it's an important book, but it is a hard book. And I found myself having to read some paragraphs two to three times. I took a lot of notes. I thought hard about some parts. Uh, just, it, it, it's one of those hard books, but it's very rewarding. And with it being an important book with a lot of these ideas that other people are pulling from, it'd be better to read this one than, than a lot of the other books out there. As for how long it took me, uh, I spent 12 days reading it and in those 12 days, it was 16 hours and 11 minutes of total reading time. It's a 426-page book without the appendix, so that, that equaled about 36 pages per day. For the rest of this episode, I'll have three more segments. The first segment will be 10 heuristics, 10 rules for life that, that were in this book that, that really stuck out to me, and some of them were, were very counterintuitive, but uh, some, some great ideas there. Segment three will be connecting anti-fragile to other books that I've read for this project. And then segment four is the one thing, my one key takeaway, the one thing I always hope to remember from anti-fragile. This is your first time listening to the Books of Titans podcast. Welcome. I'm glad you're listening. Uh, I do not do advertisements. Uh, I don't like them myself when I'm listening to podcasts, so I, I avoid them. But I've, I've just moved into a new house, and the room is such that it is smaller than where I just moved from, and I've had to sell my bookshelves because they just don't fit 
for this room. And so I'm looking at having to do some custom shelving. And this custom shelving will also incorporate a desk and an area where I will do these podcasts going forward. I'm attempting to raise some money to, to do this. And if you've ever wondered how you can support the podcast, well, here's your chance because I need help building these shelves and paying for these shelves. So you can go to booksoftitans.com forward slash support and you'll be able to give any amount. At that link, I will keep everyone updated on the status of how much I've raised and how much I have left to go. And so if you've gotten any value out of these episodes, you can now return that value and help create a magical Books of Titans library and studio. Now into segment two and the 10 heuristics, the 10 rules of life that were in anti-fragile. There were many more, but these are the 10 that stuck out to me the most. Some are intuitive, some are counterintuitive, which is the best kind, and some were just plain funny and witty. So the first one I'm going to ask in the form of a question, and the reason I'm putting this one first is this one rocked my world when I was in grad school. I had a teacher in grad school who asked a, a form of this question. And it's, it's throughout anti-fragile. What, what happens with Talib a lot of the times is, is he'll, he'll, he'll put in these fictional characters in, in some of the chapters. And he, it's, it's, a, it's a way to compare and contrast two people and their ways of thinking. And Talib is, is just funny when he does this. But one of the questions he asks in this book is, who is more fragile? And then he gives you a, a compo- composite of, of two different people. One is the mid-level executive at a publicly traded company. The second person has a a lawn mowing company. Who is more fragile? Talib would say, and my business school teacher said, the person that is most fragile is the mid-level executive. Because they have one source of income. And yeah, it may be a publicly traded company. Things may look good. On paper, that company may be be looking like it's good. But if that person gets fired, that is their sole source of income. You compare that to the to the person who has the lawn maintenance company who services 30 customers. That person has 30 sources of income. And they're maybe not as as much as the the mid-level executive, but when you add all those together, that person could lose five clients. They could lose probably 10 clients and still be okay. That mid-level executive loses their one job and they're in trouble. So it's just an interesting way and a, and a good way to think about career and what you pursue. And, and if everything is tied to just one source of income, that puts you in a very fragile state. Talib also talks about debt, increasing fragility, whether that's at a personal level or a com- company level or a country level. Uh, debt, when times get tough, increases your fragility. The way to be, get anti-fragile, one way to get anti-fragile is to have multiple sources of, of income and to have little to no debt. So that, w- that was number one, who's more fragile. Number two, if you want to accelerate someone's death, give them a personal doctor. That is the second rule for life. And that's obviously a funny one, but uh, Talib says this is probably the only way to kill somebody legally. And his point is that data increases intervention. There's this pressure to do something rather than nothing. And you see that in the medical field, but you also see that with politicians. Like you can't, you can't just run on a ticket as a politician saying, I'm actually, I think things are 
fairly decent and I'm just going to keep them rolling as is. I'm not going to rock a whole lot of boats. Well, you're, you're probably not going to get elected. And so there is this pressure to do something. And so Talib says the, the best way to accelerate someone's death is to give them a personal doctor because that personal doctor will want to, to do things and to intervene and that can hasten someone's death. We'll get into another somewhat related heuristics in, in, in just a little bit, but that, that one was rather, rather funny. Number three, this was my favorite, and this is a, a heuristic, a, a rule for life for making decisions. And so here's what Talib says. He says, if you have more than one reason to do something, just don't do it. If you have more than one reason to do something, don't do it. He said, obvious decisions require no more than a single reason. If you're invoking more than one reason, you're trying to convince yourself to do something. And it's not as strong as just having that one simple, single reason to to move forward. I thought that was just a brilliant way to consider decisions, consider things that you have in your life where uh, questions of what to do. That's a, a great one. Another medical one here, so medical heuristic number four, if the patient is close to death, all speculative treatment should be encouraged. If near healthy, then mother nature should be the doctor. Number five, this is a drinking heuristic. Drink no liquid that is not at least 1,000 years old. And so Talib, he says uh, he just drinks wine, water, and coffee. They've been around at least 1,000 years. They've been tested and they're going to be okay. So Talib does not drink Coca-Cola or Blue Gatorade or Red Bull. He just drinks liquids that have been around for a thousand years or more. I thought that was just kind of a funny, but, uh, but probably a good heuristic as well. Number six, for perishable items, every additional day of the life translates into shorter life expectancy. For non-perishables, every additional day of life translates into longer life expectancy. So if something can perish, uh, if something can die, every additional day of life translates into a shorter life expectancy from that point forward. For non-perishable items, every additional day of life translates into longer life expectancy. This gets into the Lindy effect, if you're familiar with with the Lindy effect from other books by Talib. And that's basically, uh, I believe uh, Lindy was a restaurant near Broadway in New York. And this, this heuristic came out of, out of that where if there was a Broadway play that had been around for a year, it was questionable if it would be around for another year. However, if there was a Broadway play that had been around for 40 years, it was very likely that would be around for another 40 years. So it's this idea of the longer amount of time that something non-perishable has been has been there uh, perhaps like an idea or a book if if something has been around for a certain amount of time it should be around for that much longer so in in this sense if something um he takes it with books so if 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 a book has been around for 40 years it should be around another 40 if it's been around for 2000 years it's going to be around for a long a lot longer Number seven, the complex heuristics of tradition. That's a, a phrase he uses. And it was a neat way to think about traditions. So he, he said traditions are rules of life passed down through the ages. And if they have lasted this long and they've survived, it's an important rule. It's an important heuristic. And it's one that should not be removed. It made me think of Chesterton's fence. 
And Chesterton's fence is this idea that if you if you go up to, to a fence and you see it's there, your first inclination should not be to tear that fence down. Your first inclination should be, hmm, why did somebody put a fence here? There must have been a reason. And after you ask that question and think about it for a while, if, if there really is no reason or that fence shouldn't be there anymore, then take it down. But your first inclination should not be to come up to something and, and that somebody else has done in the past and to just remove it. Same idea here. If there is a tradition there, it has stood the test of time. Ask why that tradition is there. That's a good heuristic. That's a good rule for life. Number eight, the skin in the game heuristic. Talib says, never listen to a leftist who does not give away his fortune or does not live the exact lifestyle he wants others to follow. In, a, in, in another heuristic that ties into that, a man is honorable in proportion to the personal risk he takes for his opinion. So again, never listen to a leftist who does not give away his fortune or does not live the exact lifestyle he wants others to follow. That is the skin in the game heuristic. Number nine, he talks about marketing versus recommendations. And this ties into skin in the game as well. Talib says, there is no product that I particularly like that I've discovered through advertising and marketing. But he gets a lot of the ideas of, of products from friends. And so things that have been recommended. And with recommendations, there is, there's a certain level of skin in the game. The person has purchased that product. They've used it. Uh, they've spent their money, their hard-earned money to, to get this product. If they recommend it, then, and a number of people have recommended it, there's a better chance than if a company is telling you, you should purchase our product. Now, there's obviously a certain level with marketing where some of it's just, you, you got to get information across about the product. But there's also a certain level that a recommendation is going to trump marketing any day. And it, it brought to mind this proverb, proverb 27, two, where it says, let another praise you and not your own lips. There's that idea tied in here as well of marketing, kind of the company touting itself versus a recommendation, someone who has skin in the game, who is, who is talking about a product or a service. Number 10, add randomness to the system. So Talib talks about the Athenian assemblies, part of, part of who was working in government would be chosen by lot. So it would just be an average person and they were chosen by lot and then they were to become part of the government for a, for a set period of time. And what that would do is just spice things up a little bit. So you, you've got someone who's not a career politician and they, they are called up and they just add some, they stir things up a little bit. And I thought that was a really neat thing and, and a neat idea and, and one that perhaps could be even incorporated in, into companies. Um, maybe instead of just having this board that doesn't change much and is always there, maybe there's a rotating board member every six months or something, but it's, it's somebody chosen by lot from the company. So it could be a low-level employee, it could be a mid-level employee, but that person is is part of the board meetings or or maybe even part of the executive meetings. And just to, to add, to stir things up a little bit. So add randomness to the system. That's number 10 in the 10 rules that are in this book that really stuck out to me out of the many, many heuristics. Now into segment three in a 
a discussion about some of the other books I've read for this project that tie into Anti-Fragile. And the first would have to be Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Talib and Kahneman are friends. Uh, Talib calls him Danny. They're so tight. You know, he doesn't even have to call him Daniel. He can call him Danny. And Thinking Fast and Slow is one of the most important books I've read for this project. I've read so many other books that pull just like one idea from thinking fast and slow and then write a whole book on it. So if you if you read thinking fast and slow, it's it's the source of a lot of other books that you read. So it's it's probably just better to read that book instead of all these other ones. But in thinking fast and slow, I learned about heuristics and they they come up all the time and I I'm sure I had come across that word in other books, but I never really began thinking about it deeper until reading Thinking Fast and Slow. And so Anti-Fragile has a lot about heuristics as well, but Thinking Fast and Slow is where I first came across them. And then there, in that book, there is a system one and system two, and it, it basically like an unconscious for an un, versus an unconscious, unconscious versus a conscious way of, of thinking. And there's a slow way and a fast way. And so these things are, are contrasted. And it, so it's a very important book to, to get a lot of these, these big ideas and to see how our minds and, and different things can, can trick us. So one idea from there is if you have these two systems, if you have kind of an unconscious way of thinking, like these rules for life that you don't even think about, you just act accordingly compared to a conscious, like I'm going to do things this way because of this. Uh, how do you change that? Like, what if you come across a new idea and, and your old way of thinking just it doesn't cut it anymore? So how do you how do you how do you get something out of your unconscious? Uh, that's what the the book, The Art of Learning, which was on my 2017 reading list. That's what that gets into. That one's by Josh Waitskin. And he he talks about how to get heuristics from your conscious to your unconscious. So how how can you get these rules for life so embedded in you that you're not even consciously thinking about them, but you're just, that's just how you do things from that point forward. Another book is Range by David Epstein. That was on my 2020 reading list and I, I covered it in an earlier, earlier episode of the podcast. But Epstein talks about a wicked world, one where there's imp imperfect and incomplete knowledge. And in this wicked world, we just don't have enough data. So you're never going to have 100% certainty in any situation, whether that's a business problem, a personal struggle, or a life choice. So what is the best method for approaching these situations? And for, for Epstein, the question is, do you, do you go full specialization, like go super strong into one niche, or do you have a broad range in your approach? And obviously from the title, Epstein suggests a broad range, but this ties in very closely to the idea of anti-fragility. If you are fragile, you, you kind of have that full specialization in, in one area of, uh, or, or niche, whereas anti-fragile, you, you have more of a, a, a range. Next book, Coddling of the American Mind. That was one of those important books, and that was on the list last year. There was an, a whole section about anti-fragility, and so they referenced this book, they reference anti-fragility, and that's really the first time I came across the idea. But they, they talked about it in the sense of raising kids and the easy way to do a lot of harm by protecting kids too much. So you obviously need to protect children from major catastrophes. You know, don't, don't let them play out in traffic to 
to see how fragile they are with with buses getting you know getting hit by buses it it's you you protect from major catastrophes but you've got to open up to where y- you don't treat them as completely fragile because they're not fragile they are anti-fragile so they are going to get stronger through some things that are going to hurt and so how do you create that that atmosphere and that that's one thing that coddling of the American mind goes through. I mean, and then it goes into college campuses. Like Kids are not fragile. College students are not fragile. They're anti-fragile. So if you protect them against ideas, if you protect them against certain speakers who come and create safe spaces for them to not get their feelings hurt, then you're cocooning them from these ideas. You're, you're treating them as fragile and they're not fragile. And that's not going to end well. So it could be, it could be, to a body level or a mind level, but you have to treat people as anti-fragile and not fragile. And so coddling of the American mind gets in into that. Natural Born Heroes is another book that was on my 2017 reading list. That was by Christopher Christopher McDougall. And in Anti-Fragile, Talib talks about organized sports and gym machines versus so those he says are fragile, like a gym machine. If you're, if you're doing a treadmill, you're, you're going the same way. You're just walking the same way the the entire time and you're not going side to side. Uh, there, there's not, it's treating your body as fragile in a way, and it's not exposing it to, to stress that's, that's necessary for, for growth. So Talib contrasts those fragile things with the anti-fragile street fights, in a street fight, you're going to have to move side to side, block, kick, do all sorts of different things. It's not this confined environment. It's, it's, you have to be anti-fragile in a street fight. He goes on later, this is Talib. He says, an environment with variability, hence randomness, does not expose us to chronic stress injury, unlike human design systems. If you walk on uneven, not man-made terrain, no two steps will ever be identical. Compare that to the randomness-free gym machine offering the exact opposite, forcing you into endless repetitions of the very same movement. Much of modern life is preventable chronic stress injury, end quote. Made me think of a story from Natural Born Heroes. Well, just first off, the book is about the the Crete, the island of Crete during World War II. And the Nazis had come in, but they were having a very hard time subduing the people of Crete. And so this book, Natural Born Heroes, gets into that. And why was that? And Christopher McDougall, the author, he basically says one of the reasons is because they were anti-fragile. They they had this diet to where it could help them go through a whole night of running. They could climb up these mountains really fast and they they were anti-fragile they were not fragile and and it was because they were in an environment of having to live like this and of climb these mountains and and be able to run far on on little food and so that made them very anti-fragile and it also makes me remember another story in that book where apparently Teddy Roosevelt would would go out of the white house pick a, a area far away and just run towards that no matter what was in front of him and it's that idea. It's not, okay, I've got this path I'm going to run on in the morning and it's going to be a loop and it's concrete the whole way, but it's it's picking a place straight ahead and just, if there's a river, you run, you know, hopefully it's a creek, you just run through it. If it's, uh, you know, if there's rocks, if there's a little hill, you just run over it, you don't go around it. And it's, it's that idea. And that is going to lead to anti-fragility because you're working different muscles. You're not just running in a straight path. Uh, so natural born heroes got got into these ideas a lot with I, I don't think ever using the the term anti-fragile. 
The last book I want to highlight is Generations. Again, another one of those important books. And in that, uh, so in, in Anti-Fragile, the book, Talib talks about the non-linearity of things. Like things don't just go in a straight line. There, there's, there's movement. It could be convex or concave. Uh, just things don't go in the straight line. And, and that's really the point of the book Generations. Things, history does not move in a straight line. History is cyclical. And that's one of the key points. It's not, you know, people were ignorant and stupid in the past, and now we're, we're reaching this time period where we're just all so enlightened and woke and, and just brilliant. Uh, that's not how things go. It is, there, there are cycles. And it, it, that, this point is a, is a big one in Anti-Fragile, the non-linearity of things. We can't just expect things to go a certain way. Things are going to be hard. It's, it's this idea from range. We live in a wicked world. Things are not going to go well at times. Are you going to be ready for those things? If your whole life is about being fragile, you're not going to be ready. If if you are living in a way that you're becoming more and more anti-fragile, which is how we are humans, as, as humans, then you will be able to weather storms. I mean, just think to to this year, 2020, and all the craziness. How, how have you done? Are, are you fragile to, to major shifts like this or are you anti-fragile? This is a great book to, to think deeper about those questions. Now into segment four in the one thing, my one key takeaway from Anti-Fragile. And it's going to be reading related. Uh, this is a reading project. And so the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was about reading. And it was about Talib's rules for reading. So again, back to those, those heuristics. Uh, but these are some that offer some great advice for which books to choose. And, and uh, I, I know they were helpful to me. But first off, I just want to highlight that Talib... In, on page 246, he says, at age 13, he started keeping a log of his reading hours. And he started reading 30 to 60 hours per week. Per week. 30 to 60 hours per week. I'm lucky to get, I mean, a really good week for me is, is 10 hours. Uh, it's probably around 5 to 10 hours per week. He was doing 30 to 60 hours per week as a 13-year-old. And he said he has kept this practice. So I, I don't know if he's still doing, you know, up, up to 60, but uh, he's still reading a lot and, he, and, and he's still keeping log of, of how, how much he's reading. And the cool thing was when he was 13, he was reading the classics. Like he wasn't reading the, the new books. Like he, he was going deep and he was reading uh, literature and philosophy, and, but going back 2,000 years. So really going into that, that Lindy effect of if a book has been around for 2,000 years, it's going to be around for another 2,000 years. So let's, let's start with those. So here are some of his rules for reading. So first off, in response to a question of how do we teach children skills for the 21st century, Talib replied, make them read the classics. So that's the first one. The second one. So we can apply criteria of fragility and robustness to the handling of information. The fragile in that context is like technology, what does not stand the test of time. The best filtering heuristic, therefore, consists in taking into account the age of books in scientific papers. Books that are one year old are usually not worth reading. A very low probability of having the qualities for surviving, no matter the hype and how earth shattering they may seem to be. 
So I follow the Lindy effect as a guide in selecting what to read. Books that have been around for 10 years will be around for 10 more. Books that have been around for two millennia should be around for quite a bit of time and so forth. End quote. I, I love that one. Uh, books that are one year old that are usually not worth reading, no matter the hype and how earth shattering they, they may seem to be. And that's one thing I've, I've highlighted in other episodes. Uh, it's really hard to tell how good a book is when it's new. Because I've, I've read some that everyone says is, uh, that book is great. The marketing around the book is, is fantastic. What I notice a lot of times is <laughs> whoever wrote the book is extremely wealthy. And there is a reason there is a lot of good news about the book out there. It was paid for. And so those are the types of things that are not going to really come about and, and be understood for, for a while. And so it's best to just not read a book right when it comes out, despite everyone telling you, you've got to read this new book, you've got to read this new book. Just give it a little time. It's, it's a, a great heuristic. Here's uh, one more that I want to highlight from, uh, from Anti-Fragile. One of my students, who was majoring in, of all subjects, economics, asked me for a rule on what to read, as, as little as feasible from the last 20 years, except history books that are not about the last 50 years. I blurted out, end quote. So that, that was a funny one. Uh, as little as feasible from the last 20 years, except history books that are not about the last 50 years. I, that's one thing that, that bugs me about news. Uh, when, when you're reading news, the journalist is forced to put their thoughts together of what all of this means. And it's really hard to do that the day the thing is happening. And so you need, you need this distance of time to see, to, to learn more about the, the, the events surrounding what's going on. And so it's hard to, I, I don't watch the news. That's one of the reasons it's very hard for somebody to, to understand and then, discuss what is actually happening. It's, it's better to, to go back and read history of what is leading to the situation now. And some of that history from way in the past of, of, of how things are, their current state from what happened in the past. It's better to read that kind of thing than to try to figure out what's going on in the daily news. I want to read one other uh, quote that comes, that ties in, and this one's from C.S. Lewis, and this is another heuristic for, for reading. And so here, here is his. It is a good rule after reading a new book, never to allow yourself a, a new one till you have read an old one in between. So he would say, read a new book, and then an old one, and then a new one, and then an old one. Uh, back to the quote. If that is too much for you, you should at least read one old one to every three new ones. End quote. So that's C.S. Lewis's rule, uh, ties in somewhat with, with Taleb's there. But the, the most important thing there is read old books. There's a reason they are still around. There's a reason they are still printed. The older, the better. Here's one other quote from Taleb in, in Anti-Fragile. But there's something central in following one's own direction in the selection of readings. What I was given to study in school, I have forgotten. What I decided to read on my own, I still remember. End quote very key point. One, uh, one idea that I've taken from, from anti-fragile that, uh, I am really trying to implement next year is to add randomness. And I'm going to attempt to do that in my reading list. So I'm going to attempt to re add randomness, randomness to the books that I choose for next year. And I will give more details in an upcoming episode, but at this point I'm completely scrapping what I had planned to read for 2021 and I'm going to do something different. 
and this this book has helped me to to add that randomness or to to seek that. So I will give more details here soon, but uh, I'm I'm really excited about that. And uh, so again, just another another idea from this book that uh, I'm I'm going to implement here. So to recap, this is an important book. It's a challenging one. I will read this one again. You can skip other books and read this one. This one is where a lot of ideas come that other people take and write about it. Or on the flip side, you could read this book and then write your own book and and tie the ideas into your specific area of expertise. It's, it's just one of those kinds of books. It's one that'll make you think back over your life and you'll recognize anti-fragility throughout. And maybe it's in the sense of you were protected too much or you'll, you'll remember back to the times where you were challenged and how big of an impact that had on you. Uh, you might remember the teachers that challenged you and how that allowed you to become better. They treated you as anti-fragile compared to the teachers that perhaps just praised you all the time or, or, or even treated you as fragile. You, you'll realize the, you grew the most through the pain, through the struggle. You will have some aha moments. Things will click that you won't be able to get back to how you used to view them before. Talib's style is 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 rough. He just he brazenly attacks people. Uh, it's funny, but you also I'm, the whole time I'm thinking Man, this guy would hate this guy would hate me. But uh, you will come away smarter from this book. You'll laugh when he p- pokes fun at those people. But most of all, this is just it's a fun book. And have fun with it if you read it. It's a hard one. It's a challenging one. But it is really fun. And the ideas are important. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. That's eric with a K. So E-R-I-K at booksoftitans.com. You can also go to the website at uh, booksoftitans.com forward slash contact. And I have my physical address there, uh, my PO box. So you can write me a letter and I love getting those letters. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter. And the website is stock full of resources to help you find good books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back next week discussing another book from my 2020 reading list. Remember, you can can help build my new library. That's at booksoftitans.com forward slash support. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.